Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, this is Emma Whitfield, Account Manager at the Webby Awards. Before we get started, I just wanted to let you know that the call for entries for the 23rd Annual Webby Awards is open. This year, we've added an entire suite of voice honors, from technical achievement to productivity. And we have new categories across podcasts, games, branded entertainment, social content series and campaigns, and more. We're so excited to honor your work. So head on over to webbyawards.com to get in on early entry pricing before the deadline on Friday, October 26th. From the Webby Awards, I'm David Michelle Davies. This is the Webby Podcast. Don't fear tackling real shit. Happy fucking birthday, Tina Fey. Treat people kindly. Start now. To my childhood bullies. Thanks. Hey there, and welcome to season four of the Webby Podcast. We're so excited to share more stories of the internet with you this season. If you could call someone who sent you a hateful comment online, what would you say? My next guest, Dylan Marin, is exploring just that as the host of the Webby-winning podcast, Conversations with People Who Hate Me. Dylan is also a wildly popular video creator. Whether it's a satirical web series where he unboxes popular, sometimes problematic ideologies, or Sitting in Bathrooms with Trans People, a series where he interviews transgender people in bathrooms, a lot of people watch Dylan's work. And with that level of online visibility, unfortunately comes a lot of online hate. In an age where it's popular to embarrass and call people out online, Dylan is thoughtfully and empathetically calling others in. We start off talking about his first experiences with internet hate. Through making all of these very socially left videos, um, I was getting a ton of hate, right? Mm. And now my my face was on it and my name was attached to it. So people were writing direct messages and people were writing comments under these videos. The difference is when it's a Facebook comment, you can click on that person's name and you can see everything about them sometimes. You can see pictures they're tagged in and, you know, like <laughs> learn these really nuanced things about them. And were you like sucked in to mm -hmm. look at all that of all the people who were hating fully, on you? Fully, wow. fully. Tell me about like the first time you really started going into that and like what was your, like were you just super depressed the next day or yeah. was it, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, that's, and I think that's also something given my podcast is something I find important to be transparent about, right? That it's not just like, great, I had this, I got my first mean comment and now I have this idea for a podcast. This is not the entire truth, but there is an element of it that this podcast is a coping mechanism, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, it sucks to receive comments like that. There's no sugarcoating over that. Um, I feel very lucky that I had the platform to then start a podcast and like start a creative project from that. So many people don't have that, right? Think about like the high schoolers who receive hate on the internet. Um, they're in high school, 
You know, if I had received this barrage of negativity in high school, I don't know what I would have done. This this would have been really really hard. Yeah. But you kept making the videos. Kept making the videos. I mean, you have. I mean, I looked at some of the older unboxing yeah. videos mm-hmm. and. Some of them have four or five hundred, like what you would call thumbs downs, yeah. which is not because the videos are bad. They're, they're yeah, yeah, yeah. By and large, very funny and insightful, and you know, thanks. Yeah, um, but it's hard. And I, by and large, I don't, even, I don't even mean that some of them. Yeah, are. I just mean that yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not a con. I don't. Like, I don't think anybody who saw those thumbs down who'd watch the videos would think it was a comment on the quality of the videos. So clearly, there's just this yeah. group of people who are. And that's that's the interesting thing too. Like I was working on mainly I was making videos that were being put on Facebook. And on Facebook, there is no thumbs. I mean, there's, of course, the angry reaction, but that doesn't have as much weight as, like, on YouTube, it's thumbs up, thumbs down. And you can see the bar lean towards the side. So people found great joy in making reaction videos to them and then, of course, bombing the dislikes, right? And what that shows is, like, then now a lot of those videos have, like, just, like, more many more dislikes than likes. But on Facebook, where it was getting, like, I think on YouTube, like, he was getting, like, tens of thousands of views. But on Facebook, you know, many of them went past a million, two million. And it's tied to a, um, I don't know, like, audience critic barometer that is 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 structurally different. And when you have a variety of things to choose from, most of which are positive, one of which is negative, right? I, I don't think anyone would try and, you know bomb my like-dislike ratio by putting sad on all of it. Right. Or there just needs to be a more organized effort to bomb it, right? Like, it it doesn't take much for people to hit between option A and option B, A being I love this, B being I hate this. It doesn't take much to, like, show your alignment with that. Whereas on Facebook, it would take a, like, pretty strong, concerted, organized effort to say, like, we're going to react angry to this. How did you cope? Because I think that most people you know, uh, would have a really hard time pressing on. Yeah, I, well, I stood by what I was saying in them, uh-huh. you know. Um, I think, I think what, what I, I stood by what I was saying in them and I liked making the videos. I think also a very important side note is that um, I was making this at a time, I, was, I made those videos for the channel I was hired to work for, which is, which was Seriously TV. And so I was working in an office at the time and and the psychology of like working around people while I was getting those comments is very different from if I was making those alone, right? Um, It's so much harder to like look at negative comments when I'm alone at home. That, That just like then my mind starts spinning around them. But like to get that while I'm in a workplace where I'm working on the content that is getting those comments, it's- it's, They're supported. Yeah, more supported, but still I, you know, still had to find the energy to keep to keep going with it um did you ar- did you ever argue with the people did you mm-mm. ever write back and comment and get in heated Not you know, internet too much. wars with anybody no and i think that's kind of why i wanted to start the project of calling people because you know it's so nuts to me that we basically were exposed every day if you're on social media, you're exposed to so many more people than ever before, right? Like in a busy city, I don't know how many people you pass, but like if you leave your house, go to the subway, take your subway to work, leave work, get lunch, go back to work, then leave work, go to the subway, take it home. Like how many people do you pass? What? That's like mm, a thousand, right? Meaning thousands of humans. On Twitter, 
you you can pass so many more, right? And you can, and it's tied to their opinion. So it feels like every day we dive into this huge pool with hundreds of people, but we only interact with the people we want to interact with. And especially when people are coming at you with negativity, it I totally support the people who decide, you know what? I don't want to engage with this. Great. You are the master of your own psychological destiny. <laughs> please, yeah, right. please do whatever feels healthy for you. I was interested to stop one of those people and not be like, go fuck yourself. Like, here's a really good takedown of you. And I used to do that. I used to take, you know, comments and make fun of their typos, right? Um, what does What did that get me? Maybe that got someone something that doesn't get me much, right? If I point out that they didn't use an apostrophe in your, it's like, did I really help the world <laughs> with that? Everyone knew it, you know, like also um, it's like low-key elitism, right? Am I, if my goal in my videos is to talk about social justice in an, in an accessible way and invite more people to the table to talk about it, am I doing anything by like really dunking on the people who right. said something negative about me. You're sort of proving their point. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. we're going to talk about the podcast. Love. Um, for the listeners who maybe haven't listened to it or don't uh, know the premise of mm -hmm. it, uh, it's essentially you are having conversations with mm -hmm. some of these haters. You've mm -hmm. figured out a way to call them, get in contact with mm -hmm. them. They've agreed to talk to you, and mm -hmm. um, that's largely what the podcast is about. Yeah. Um, sometimes you bring people who haven't hated on you but have hated on other people, and you bring those people mm -hmm. together. Yeah. Um, I think I sort of get the, the build up to mm -hmm. why you, mm -hmm. you know, the idea, give me the, like the, the, the beginning story, you know, yeah. though, when you had, you had the first guest on and yeah. sort of how you went from thinking about it as like, oh, this is kind of interesting mm -hmm. to here's how this is going to work and here's what I'm going to do. Yeah. So the first person I spoke to was a guy named Josh and he was an 18 year old senior in high school at the time. And he had written, you know, to tell me that I was a moron. I was the reason this country was dividing itself and being gay was a sin. And I basically, you know, I, the first conversation I had with him, I was just, it felt so different receiving this, this message than it did to talk to him on the phone. Also, this was, you know, someone who I enjoyed talking to. Uh, which was a surprise, right? He was a full three-dimensional human and not everyone can do this, but he's also, you know, emotionally introspective and is willing to like open up about things. And he told me things like, you know, he didn't love high school. Specifically, he hated <laughs> high school, you know? Um, and we could kind of find agreement about that. And because he was open, then I was willing to be open. And, and it was kind of this like nice, more equal relationship. And, and doing that with him just made me feel like I want to do this with so many people, right? There are so many potential conversations that can happen. Important footnote is that some people turn down the opportunity, right? Like yeah. some people say really nasty things and are like, fuck no, I never want to talk to you in my life, right? And then you're like, great, <laughs> okay. Well, like I don't know where we're going to go from here. Every time I get a guest to agree to talk to me, every time I get a guest to agree to speak to my guest, you know, right, when I'm moderating calls, it just feels like, oh, there is potential for real good in this world. I think 
the way social media is structured right now is that it can feel dire and it can feel awful. Um, but getting to like getting conversations going through with, with the starting point of a negative comment or message gives me like great hope in the world. Um, what's the, if you interview, yeah. what's the, how, like when you the email rate. people, yeah. Or like, is it like 1% of people agree to talk or most of them do or most of them don't? Or? It's so funny at first when it was just me, um, I, I gave the statistic, which was true at the time of one out of every two, like 50% success rate, which was like wild. Yeah. Now it's much lower. <laughs> like, because, um, because one, I'm reaching out to more people. And two, because now I'm moderating conversations. Right. And I get it. You know, people are hesitant to go on record mm -hmm. about things. And, and I take, you know, like I'm, I'm very upfront with people. I never surreptitiously record people. So they have to be like fully consenting adults or in the rare case that they're a kid where that's even harder because then we need their parent <laughs> to consent, you know, and a lot of times they're like, I'm not going to tell my parents about this. Right. Um, right. right. Hey mom, <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. on the internet and yeah. I called this very nice yeah. man a jerk <laughs> yeah, and now he yeah. wants to talk to me. Is that okay? Yeah. And so, um, but, uh, you know, it, you know, it's happened. Um, this is all to say, the, the quickest way to say what I'm trying to say is that people are very skeptical yeah. of doing this. Have they, you found that there's, is there like some group of people that end up, I mean, not that you know mm -hmm. who they are ahead of time, but like that, you know, that there's some group of people who seem more likely to talk to you once you've gotten them. Is there any, I guess, is there any commonality no. between the people that end up saying they'll do it? They, no, huh. there, no, there isn't. And that's another thing. It's like a lot of, times naturally when people want to talk about this podcast they will they'll say things like i can't believe you talk to these people right and that's putting this weird not weird i guess you know they chose to say that but this is putting um an interesting grouping over these people when the truth is i don't think my guests would ever count themselves as similar to each other Right. Um, first of all, I also do speak to some people who I'm very politically aligned with yeah. who have said things on right. the Internet. As we know, um, it's not just like political polar opposites that are arguing with each other. It's also a lot of um, lefties telling other lefties why they're being bad. They're bad lefties or um, people who I'm too centrist for, people who I'm too far left for, you know? Right. Um, it's well, One thing I've noticed is that it seems like most of the people you talk to almost immediately sort of take back the most awful thing they said and say some version of like, oh, I was having a bad day or I had too much to drink or I didn't, yeah. I didn't realize you would actually see it and, yeah. or I was just trying to be funny or, I mean, there's like some excuse. Yeah. But there's like a cognitive dissonance that and they I claim think, to have when they make these really, and some of them are yeah. really terrible comments. Some right? of them are really terrible. Some aren't, which is another caveat I have to say with the title, right? The title is Conversations with People Who Hate Me, and almost invariably people need to clarify that they don't hate me, the distancing from that word. And, and you know, this has happened so often that I would consider changing the title, but the reason I keep the title and the reason I stand by the word hate is that when you receive it, it feels like yeah. hate, right? It's like also like that is that is one of the great um, – that is kind of the great dissonance of the internet and the way we write on the internet and we the way we speak to each other on the internet, which is that the way you 
the way you say something, you have no idea how it's going to be received. Like I could say something to you right now who I'm, you know, for listeners who don't see this, I'm looking at you right in the, right in the face. And I would be able to gauge how you react to something I'm saying, right? But on the internet, it's, it's totally different. And so get, get seeing a negative comment about you, even if it is written as constructive criticism, but was worded in a way that doesn't seem like it, my mind is like, this person hates me. Right. And so, and that's a scary thing. That's a scary thing when it comes to like communication and what communication means for the future. Do I think it's hopeless? Absolutely not. But do I think there are active things that we can work on and how we speak to each other online? I do. You feel like you have a really good handle on what's going on when people, you know, hate on people on the internet? Like, is it? Sometimes. Sometimes. I mean, I, I, there's no like one lesson, right? I, I feel like what I understand is, is the general truth is that very complicated issues feel so much better to talk about in person or on the phone, right? It's very hard to like, I, I have yet to see a comment thread conversation that has explored nuance and, and exchanges ideas of understanding. And, you know, there are some social justice issues that feel way too complicated to talk about there. You know, it's, it's what I always say of like why I don't call this a debate show and why I don't make it as a debate show is that debate is gamified conversation. You know, there's a winner and a loser. And there are some issues that are so complicated that you cannot end it that way, right? It's so much more fascinating to me to ask why someone wrote something using yeah. that as an in to understanding them rather than being like, prove your point with talking points that are recycled from this person that you've seen that you respect. And then this person, you use your talking points that are recycled from this person. And then you just have a talking point war. And then the most concise take wins, right? The, the most, um, and sometimes, um, like the, whoever can remember the, the point to the point to the point to the point. Exactly. Person can remember. Exactly. And, and it's, um, so, is there a great lesson from this? I, you know, I more see this as a durational piece, as a durational project, which mm. is more about like, I am not claiming also that this is a research project, right? You need far more people to come to, con- to reach conclusions, right? I would need to talk to thousands of people. Um, what I am offering my audience is a window, into what it can look like when you take an online conversation and move it offline. Um, I think, I mean, one, one uh, sort of recurring theme that feels like pops up to me is you'll often have guests who feel like somehow slighted by the concept that some group mm-hmm. um, has like what they would call like special rights, right? Mm-hmm. Like that mm-hmm. they're really bothered that like LGBTQ mm-hmm. people have these special rights or the African-Americans mm-hmm. have special mm-hmm. rights or something, or why can't they just all be? Yeah. It's like, there's like a common thing. They yeah. seem like really bothered by mm-hmm. and have a very difficult time w- empathizing with the concept that they might not understand what it's like <laughs> to be those people. And you often try and, you know, not debate them, right. but bring those issues right. to the forefront. 
Um, but they seem very bothered. Have you figured out why they're so bothered about um, about these things? Again, it's it's so different for for each person, yeah. right? And that's the other thing is you cannot fight each person's biases. And I'm talking about everyone here. You can't fight each person's biases with the same antidote, yeah. right? It's so different. So many people have different reasons. Um, so many people, and and it's also like so much more complex, right? For there are the people who are like, being gay is a sin, but I love you, right? And then there are the people who are like, being gay is a sin and fuck you, you're a faggot. Uh, and then there are others who are like, I don't have any problem with gay people. It's just like, don't be gay around me. And you're like, mm, that's, a, <laughs> that's so a you do. Problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there, there are, um, within the gay community, it's like, I wish you weren't such like a sissy about it. Like it's so nuanced. And how you break down homophobia or how you talk about homophobia to person C is so different than how you talk about it to person A. Same is true with racism, right? Yeah. Same is true with all of these things. And, you know, I think my big evolution is that I used to think truly that um, I was contributing to the erasure of racism and the, the, the breaking down of bigotry by making well-worded if only video. I could, if only they totally. would watch my video, I can totally change That's what it. they're thinking in it. Yeah. And it was like, the better written it is, the more I'm going to really quash a racism right in the head. And that's kind of what I thought I was doing, not to like blow up my spot, but like, that's what I thought I was doing with the unboxing series. I thought I was making a satirical series that was going to break down, um, really complicated concepts in a way that people understood and bring more people to the table. And I think what I found, and I just want to be clear, I'm very proud of that series, um, but what I found was that it was being cheered on by the people who already agreed with me. Right. And I don't think I was reaching other people. And so if I, I mean, say, I think in one of them, you took yourself out of the box, right? Yeah. I when I did very, liberal yeah. elitism, yeah. because it was like, oh, I, you know, like, how can I, how can I also like reference myself and reference the systems that I'm part of that are also a problem? And I, but still, like, just think of that structurally. Like, I'm just speaking to a camera. Like, there, there is not a conversational element in it. Right. Um, so how, how can I use media as a way to actually achieve the things that I'm trying to achieve? Or am I just, like, trying to say that I'm a crusader for social justice, right? The social justice issue that I'm most interested in now is communication. And that's not seen as a social justice issue. Um, but I believe it is. And I, I get some blowback from people, right? From being like, uh, you know, thinking that I'm like a wishy-washy centrist who thinks that all we need to do is talk to people and then the world will be better. And I've never said that. In fact, I've, I've, I've been clear that that's not what I'm saying with this podcast. I'm saying I have the energy to do this. And if you have the energy to listen, please listen. Right. Um, do I think conversation is a crucial bedrock for a successful democracy? Yes. But do I understand the nuance of why some people don't feel that they have the energy to do it? Absolutely. There are some people who are so marginalized that they don't have the energy to get on the phone with their antagonists and offer their empathy, right? Like yeah. I that would I would be remiss to to it's not a, that acknowledge would be a crazy that. Expectation oh, completely. Yeah, right. Like but but I do think like I have I care about communication because I like communication and I 
I do this podcast not because um, I, I do this podcast because I love it. Like I really do genuinely love talking to people with whom I had a negative altercation to begin with, right? It feels like we're, we're actually getting somewhere. Am I going to eradicate someone's homophobia on a single phone call? No. Like, am I going to, to uh, dismantle systemic racism by calling one person who said, who, who holds what they don't even realize are racist beliefs? Absolutely not. Like, I just want to be super yeah. clear about that. But it's also about planting seeds. And I think what we're so used to, especially on the internet, like how many headlines have we seen that say, you know, watch this video that totally shuts down the gun debate. It's like, no, this video contributes to the conversation about guns, but nothing is going to completely stall a centuries-long conversations about weaponry, yeah. right? Which really boils down to something much more complicated, which is that the issue of guns is an issue about safety. And when you just come to someone with talking points, they're not going to suddenly like change their way of thinking that they've been kind of taught their whole life. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Do you think that like the social media platforms and the way they're constructed are something that's making this better or making it worse? You know, is like the format of Twitter and Facebook, and you can separate those because they're obviously different. Yeah. Is it is it making this issue a bigger issue? Is it making it worse than it needs to be, or is it making it better? Or like, how do you look at that? Well, one, I I just love the way you frame that question, which is asking if it's structured in a certain way, as because I think the simpler and not as good version of that is asking like, well, is social media bad? And it's so much more complicated than that. Like. Social media is a beautiful thing. I There is so much beautiful potential in it. I've met people through the internet that I love. I I enjoy being on the internet when, when it's good. I've learned things on the internet. I get exposed to people that I never would have been exposed to before. I have a career because of the internet. You know, like, that's a huge part of my story. When the traditional gatekeepers you know, wouldn't let me do the work that I wanted to do, which is talking about, you know, television and film for a variety of reasons. Um, I turned to the internet where I could make work. And and for all the people who told me I'd never find an audience, I proved them wrong, right? The inter- I feel grateful for the internet. Um, the internet also plays huge roles in social justice movements, right? Um, Egypt in 2011, the, the internet 
Twitter organized people. Twitter didn't organize people. People use Twitter to organize. That is a huge thing. Black Lives Matter movement. People have used that hashtag to organize to um, as a rally cry. Yeah, um, I mean, there's countless, I mean, there's countless, countless, countless examples. examples. Yeah, um, but the way it's structured, specifically the way communication is structured on the internet, as I was kind of explaining before. Um, the way commentary is structured on the internet. Well, let's start, you know, kind of a platform by platform. Because sure, yeah. as you said, and you're very correct, they're very different. On Twitter, there's a character limit. Just expanded, but a character limit nonetheless. And so often what gets through on Twitter is the sharpest take, which really means the best joke wins, mm. right? So the sharper the take, the more widely it gets shared. Never mind that that take doesn't have a ton of nuance or let's be real information to factually back it up (laughs) but like the sharper the take wins the better the joke wins and that's really great when it is based on truth and that's really great when it's based on fact um it's not great when it's not right um there's a proliferation of a lot of untrue things when that happens um and also it applauds clapbacks. It applauds um, tearing people down. It, it applauds dunking on people. And that's dangerous, I, I think. Uh, and that is the platform you, maybe not the most, but at least it's one of the platforms that people get, there's a lot of dunking on. Yeah, like, there's a lot know, of dunking on, but it's happening it. on Facebook yeah, too, yeah. in a big way. And, and so, you know, Facebook too, with the comment sections like, um, like I said, there's not a ton of nuance that can happen. I've I've seen before where on a more public post, someone will say something, and if people want to humiliate them, they can go through their pictures and find pictures and then start posting their pictures, and that's awful, right? Um, it's also like, was this a conversation, or was this a, someone said something you didn't like, so now it's a humiliation fest? Uh, and... So so Facebook is structured in a way where um, there are still upvotes and downvotes, right? And, and in a different way than Twitter, but you are still applauded for dunking on someone, for owning someone with a comment. Um, but that, that comment you brought up, you made earlier, though, about that, the, the, that when there's, you know, nine different reactions, mm-hmm. that that on some level does help. Like, it does sort diffuse. Of, yeah. but, but also, you know, just the fact that Many people reacted to this clap back, but fewer people reacted to the thing that it was clapping back mm. is is interesting too. Um, you know, people can write long, thoughtful, nuanced Facebook comments. Will they be fully read? No. I think similarly, the way our eyes are scanning things on the internet, um, uh, the it's still the same Twitter rules. The sharper take wins, you know? Do you think there's a, do you think there's a platform or uh, or a company or an organization or a feature or something that like is really getting it right? You know, is there like some place you're like, oh, they're really, they've, they're doing a better job at this. This is, this is better than the rest. I know some places have taken comments away. Was it NPR? I don't want to get this wrong, but I, I know that there is a media company that was like, we're not getting a lot from comments. So we're just going to put the articles out there. I think that's an interesting approach. Um, I don't know. Like, I 
I don't. I also don't read comments under articles. Like when I read an article, I kind yeah. of like stop at the period, um, the 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 last period, because like oftentimes it's like not the most thoughtful commentary that gets through. I I also think that, or it's just so much sometimes that it's so much, yeah. yeah um, that I'm not like it doesn't feel like I'm actually engaging in a conversation or witnessing a conversation about the meat of what was said. It, it kind of often feels like someone just chose to read the headline and then comment. Um, One thing I've noticed you starting to do and have done, maybe even starting to have done for a while is uh, you start to incorporate, you, you start to address mm-hmm. your anticipated mm-hmm. like haters in the content. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I noticed you did that a couple of times um, I remember you did that sometimes with the unboxing videos, mm-hmm. like in your, you know, as you would talk and be like, oh, and the people mm-hmm. who are hating on this right now, whatever. Yeah. Um, and I also noticed you had a TED talk recently, mm-hmm. which was really awesome. And you did that, you did it in that in a super, like, very, very sharp, and I don't mean like sharp in an elbowy way, mm-hmm. but very smart oh, way thanks. of ending the yeah. talk, which is you gave the whole talk and then you sort of at the end of the talk said, like, yeah. You recognize that now this talk was gonna that was all yeah. about hating on the internet was yeah. also gonna be on the internet and yeah. you had a comment for those people, which was a very like yeah. profound way of wrapping it up. Have you felt that make a difference? Sometimes, but I, you know, looked at the YouTube comments of my TED talk and Stare there's still, still a ton yeah. of negativity. Yeah. <laughs> um and uh, although interestingly not a ton. You know, that's the, that's like a that's an interesting thing to notice that I've I've gotten much less hate because I'm looking at it head on, right? It is a consideration of why we write what we write on the internet. So the people who actually watch the whole thing are like, oh, now it suddenly makes me think. I take that back because uh, to just I want to go back to your question about who's getting it right. Um, there are some places that implement like basic questions before you write a comment. And I think the psychology of like going through a filter before you can instinctively write something just psychologically like slows you down a little, right? Um, it's, just, it, it's, it's a buffer to like make you just consider something. There was this Google add-on that happened a little while ago, which was really just like protecting yourself, which... Um, made you not write drunk emails or texts and it made you do like simple arithmetic problems before you sent that email. And I think that's a great example of, again, you know, it's, it's not that you're about to write a hate comment, but you could write something that you'd regret later. Right. right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's so smart to put that buffer there. And, and this has happened for me too. Like I have drafted emails if like I'm mad about something and just been like, how could this happen? You know, um, and I always, whenever I'm like hot about something, whenever I'm like feeling like mad about something, I always force myself to like save it as a draft and then reread it, right? Like a f- even a few minutes later. Yeah. How many times? And you often don't send it right after that. No, or like massive edits. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, hey, just quick question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just out of curiosity and really thank you so much for your time. But um, just wanted to know like what was your thought process <laughs> rather than like what the fuck was this? You know, because like I'm not immune to all this stuff, right? Like I'm not some like holier than thou, like, well, you have so much patience. You know, it's like. Oh, you have a lot of patience though. Well, I, I, <laughs> I'll take that. Thank you. But um, I am not immune to being um, impulsive about things. I'm not immune to 
feeling negative things and wanting to express that to the world. Essentially what I'm talking about here and what I'm doing with my podcast is like a um, an anthropological and psychological exploration into like how humans are humans on the internet, right? I just think it's important to say that I'm not immune to this because I'm not better than anyone. I mean, I have the ability to write something negative. I think I, I'm more careful about what I write and what I want to be on record. And if something is just a passing feeling through me that I want to let pass so that I can then hold on to like the core of that feeling and also, you know, kind of more genuinely express that to someone. I mean, that's just true for even when you're disagreeing with someone, right? Like if I were to yell at someone I disagreed with, that's going to like make the conversation so much harder, right? Because then ni neither of us will get what we want. We'll just kind of be more siloed to our corners. Um, I mean, it's like a, a lesson for all of us. To oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like we, the way all comment sections are built is that it allows us to um, satiate our impulses, right? And that's the way the internet is too. Anything you want, you can find like that. Anything you need delivered to your doorstep, boom, there it is now, terrifyingly, sometimes within 24 hours, right? Um, and comment sections are the same way. Comments, writing comments, tweets are the same way. You have a passing thought. You have a joke that enters your head. You have the ability to send it out to the world on record. I think moving past those impulses is a good thing, right? It allows for more consideration. Um, but the structure of what we write on the internet, the speed of it allows for our most, all of our impulses to kind of be projected out to a much larger audience. And sometimes that's a good thing. Like when people see something really horrible happening and they whip out their phone and they start filming and then suddenly... For example, instances of police brutality are now broadcast to the world. Acting on that impulsivity or the ability to be impulsive, it can lead to very bad things, like saying things that you would never say to someone or saying things that you don't actually mean or writing what you think is a joke that isn't a joke. The Webby Winning Podcast is conversations with people who hate me. Dylan Marin, thank you so much for being on the thank Webby you. Podcast. We've loved having you here. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a pleasure. Thank you so much to Dylan for stopping by. If conversations with people who hate me isn't in your weekly rotation, it should be. It's a thought-provoking show that challenges us to find the humanity in those whose values differ from our own. Check it out and follow Dylan at Dylan Marin. D-Y-L-A-N-M-A-R-R-O-N. If you like this episode, consider leaving us a review in iTunes. As always, I'm your host, David Michelle Davies. Our producer is Sebastian Aday. Editorial director is Nicole Ferraro. Research and writing by Jordana Jarrett. Claire Graves is on maternity leave. Congratulations, Claire. Music is Poddington Bear. And this is the Webby Podcast. Thank you. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.